When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode 13, not the series that we expected in some aspects, not the ending, I guess, that we expected. Um, you're with uh, Scott and Spencer. Kyle can't be with us again tonight. Uh, this is Least Talk Forever. Uh, a few notes before we get into the uh, the nitty-gritty. Uh, we noticed that our subscribers are down. Uh, there was an issue with the Facebook ban. So that's off, and then I returned to work from COVID, so it's been a little bit busy, so I haven't been able to write and share. We forgot to share the podcast on Twitter, because I've been kind of busy at work. So we apologize for that. We'll try and make up for that and get some articles and some content out to you guys, So and girls and, and whomever. So there is the Discord chat if anyone wants to join. Uh, there is a few people in it, so come and chat. Um. This is a partnership with Inside the Rink, so join the Inside the Rink uh, Twitter page, Facebook page, NHL Facebook group chat. Um, check out their website, go to the podcast, buy some merch for other podcasts and our podcasts. And, and yeah, pretty much just uh, subscribe, like, comment, download. Um, obviously, it wasn't, uh, wasn't a successful playoff run, so the uh, every two night podcasts. Um, habit or routine that we're in will probably, well, definitely will end with um, with recapping least games, but we'll still be with you once a week or depending on what's going on in the summer, once every two weeks. Um, yeah, so just make sure that you're subscribing and downloading and staying up to date with what we put out and hopefully when things die down a little bit and we can get into the habit of being more interactive with social media with you uh, whomever is listening. As mentioned before, it's episode 13. Scott's going to hit us with the jersey numbers. Um, and yeah, take it away. Uh, yeah, so this week we only have two. We're just doing classic because we found and we're surprised by that there's only really been one Leaf in history who has worn number 13, that being Matt Sundin. Ken Lin- uh, Linsman wore it in 1992. And someone else uh, Ken Yammerchuk. But other than those two, who were only for like a year or so, Matt Sundin's the only consistent number 13 in Leafs history, which we found surprising. I don't think I really need to break down who Matt Sundin is for Leafs fans. 
He's arguably the greatest leaf of all time. Austin Matthews may hold that title in some people's eyes already. Eventually, maybe down the road. But as of right now, I think uh, Madison Dean's top five anyway. And Ken Linsman was more like a instigator, dirty, uh, get-under-your-skin type player who played for numerous teams, probably more famous for, I think, Boston or Edmonton than Toronto. But in the 92 season, he did play for the Leafs. Um, I was just, uh, we're going to try and keep up to date with what some of the players are saying. I know that you guys will, uh, the listeners will listen to this um, after. Sorry, Scott, were you done? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I know um, most people will will listen to this um, tomorrow and the next day and the, in the coming days, but we're going to just kind of keep you up to date with um, what Leafs fans are, or what Leafs players have been saying. Yeah, just saw this interesting tweet that will kind of kickstart the conversation about the uh, another game Stephen lost. So, in the Matthews Marner era, the Leafs have lost to the Caps as kids, the Bruins, who were even better than the Caps twice, and the two-time uh, Cup champions in Game Seven. The travesties were Columbus's loss in the bubble, and last year against the Habs, although they had a, a Tavares injury. Sometimes it's about path. I watched every game in the Bruins series against uh, Carolina. I think that the Leafs would have rolled them. The Lightning under Lightning. This loss sucks, but no shame in how it went down. Uh, how they went down swinging in seven games to a di- dynasty team. Um, I just saw that on uh, Leafs um, Leafs Tampa Twitter feed. There, interesting statement because like a lot of a lot of people are reacting like like I know. Like we both know, it was it's kind of like a piss off to see them lose, and but it wasn't a three one collapse against Washington or uh, Montreal, and it wasn't a three one or four one lead against Boston. In this situation, it was a series that made a lot of people question about the NHL and about the officiating and about how the leagues run. But to me, this series was some some of the best hockey I've ever seen the Leafs play in the postseason. Um, and yeah, I think it's just it's it's important to remember like this wasn't a collapse. Like yeah, we we didn't close out on Game Six, but we came back in Game Six. And if it wasn't for the questionable penalties, we probably would have closed it out. If it wasn't this playoff format that that the NHL introduced, where Boston is going to, Boston's eliminated. What if Pittsburgh, Washington, or Rangers are eliminated? Toronto, Tampa would be eliminated. Like, Toronto probably would have had a better, uh, an easier chance of making it to the second round. Unfortunately, they got one of the best teams in the last 20 years. I don't, I mean, I don't think, uh, Toronto's a better team. Barring game two and four, potentially. Two, they played well towards the end of the game, but they take those down. Toronto was the better team. But they won game one, five, nothing. They they control most of the play in game three and one, five, three. Tampa tried to come on late, but Engvall set up the two empty netters. Uh, game, uh, what was it, game one, two, five. They obviously had to come back. Game five? Yeah, game five. <clears throat> they uh, they won 
and then game six, they they obviously have to come back. Sorry, uh, and then the the couple penalties there that the refs decided to call after had already swallowed their whistles, and then decided to swallow their whistles again after those two penalties. And then tonight's game was kind of along the same lines. Toronto controlled play for most of the game, I thought. And then the refs, which before that, there were so many penalties they could have called that they didn't call penalties. Then the the John Tavares scores to make it 1-1, and the refs arm. I don't know. I didn't. Spencer said he heard the whistle on the broadcast, on the replay, but I didn't. It just strikes me as odd. The interesting thing, though, is the ref that was right there didn't call the penalty. Like the ref that was outside the zone. Yeah. It just struck me as odd as in that moment is when you decide to call your first big penalty of the game. When no one on the ice, not even the Tampa players, heard the whistle go. Nobody heard the whistle go. And then you even let them, like the ref didn't even try to stop them from doing anything. Like Tavares, it was like a good, what, three, four seconds after he supposedly blew the whistle to play dead. They all, the refs and the linesmen all just stood there, watched Tavares shoot into the net. They watched all the Leafs celebrate. They watched Tampa skate to the bench. And then, so another, what, 10, 15 seconds after Tavares scored? And then they're like, no, sorry, it's not a goal. We called a penalty. Well, if you called the penalty, then why wouldn't you have tried to get Tavares' attention before he shot into the net? Obviously, it would have been 1-1. I'm curious one, to see scored. what ref called it. Because, like, a lot of people have noticed that Kelly Sutherland, who is basically, I guess, officiating the whole series, was biased towards Tampa and most penalties, and then they brought in Wes McCulley for tonight's game. I'm curious to see what what ref called it. Because the ref was like, I don't know, the the ref in the bottom right corner was like four feet, if if that, from the from the play. And then the one ref that's thirty forty feet out of the zone calls it. Seems yeah, a little bit fishy. I don't know. And then they scored a few minutes later, which would have made it 2-1 Toronto. Toronto had all the momentum in those moments. Like, going into that disallowed goal, Tampa had a bit of pressure after, and then, what, three, four minutes later, Toronto scored again. Toronto had all the momentum. It just struck me as odd that in that moment, when there were so many blatant penalties, cross-check from behind, head first into the boards, hit from behind on Tampa, on Toronto. There were so many moments in that game you could have called penalties where you just turn around, skate away. And then in that moment when Toronto tied the game, you were like, yeah, that's interference. Like it just, it's just weird. And also, um, many people have broken this down on on Twitter. So if you if you got a chance to look it up, um, one Muzzin fell on Nick Paul's goal. Um, Alex Kalorn grabbed Muzzin's stick when Muzzin was going to swat the puck away from Nick Paul. He grabbed the stick and pulled it out of his hands and then dropped it on the ice. Why wasn't there a penalty there? Calfoot apparently interfered with one of the players getting back onto the back check. Why wasn't there a penalty there? Like you had ample, ample, ample chances. Like so many opportunities to call a penalty. And also, like you mentioned it. I mean, we had kind of said the whole third period. There's no call being, like no, no calls are going to be made. I mean, obviously there's the Marner one, but that was kind of obvious. Um, but like when Tampa needed a goal to come back. From being down three two, they got five one three for two very phantom calls, and now it's ten thirty at night Eastern Standard Time, and Toronto had one power play, 
three power plays in the last two games, two power plays in that game, and one power play in the third one. They could have had, I don't know, a five-on-three alone because there was the Nylander trip. Yeah. And if you're, if you're going to call Justin Hall an interference to disallow the goal, then you needed to call the when Tampa scored their Nick Paul scored the first goal for Tampa. And as they were Tampa was exiting their own zone, the, the one Tampa player was literally holding the least player along the boards. Like not even like just interfering with them so he couldn't move. Like they were like they were both crunch, like hunched over onto the ice and the the Tampa player was like holding him in position against the board so he couldn't get up. Like how was that not an interference call? There was a play in the third period where Jake Muzzin pinched to try to keep the puck in and Tampa player just like he just swung his stick up and hit Jake um Jake Muzzin right in the face. Jake Muzzin's head snapped back. So if if you're gonna call a phantom call on on Cal Foot faking it last game how do you miss a blatant high stick in this game? And the refs can't use the, oh, we didn't want to cost the team the game excuse anymore because they literally let, gave the Tampa five on three so that they could come back in, in, game, in game six. Which, in the end, is kind of like costing at least the game because if they wouldn't have allowed it, Tampa probably wouldn't have scored. The, lead, the series would have ended. Toronto would have won. So you can't say, oh, we didn't want to give, even in overtime in game six. You can't say, oh, we didn't want to give a penalty because it might have cost the team a game when you've, you've already done it in that game. In this game alone, like you could have called 15 penalties, like we said last game, which you could have called 15 there too. Like You can't just pick and choose when to call a penalty based on when you think the momentum needs to shift because that, that that's not your job. Your job is to call the penalties when they happen. It's not up for debate because it's literally written in the rule book what the penalty is. If it was up for debate, then under the rule it would say based on, on the referee's discretion. But that's not what it says. If it's a high stick, call a high stick. If it's interference, call high, call interference. No more of this, we need to only call penalties when a team needs to come back or a team needs momentum or we need to kill the momentum of one team so the game becomes more even. Like that's just ruining the game. And yeah, you could say like we're Salty Leafs fans complaining, but if the rules were reversed... Not just Salty Leafs fans, though. Look on Twitter, like there's... Boston fans, there's numerous amount of fans that are saying, like, I don't want to watch this if this is how it's going to be called. Well, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, like, they'd be listening to us talk about specifically the Leafs is what I meant. But if the roles were reversed and, and Toronto won game game six, 4-3 uh, in overtime, and Toronto played like Tampa played and Tampa played like Toronto played, and Toronto was down 3-2, gave a, was given a 5-on-3, they scored and then won in overtime, like, all the Tampa fans would be saying the refs gave them the game. If Toronto, uh, if the roles were reversed in tonight's game, and Toronto was up two one, or Toronto was up one nothing, Tampa scored. They instantly called the interference call. Tampa fans would be complaining. So it's not just like that. We're complaining that we're Leafs fans. We're complaining because it 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 takes away from the series, which should have ended last game. Uh, two updates here, um, Matthews. And his post-game uh, presser said, uh, uh, we're so close, or something like that. Um, I didn't really see the tweet. Just I can find the tweet to show every, or tell everyone. But uh, the most important one about it is Mitch Marner was crying. Said, we're getting sick and tired of feeling like this. You can't blame the team. No way should you be blaming the team. No one should be saying, hashtag trade Marner. Awesome Matthew said, we're right there. We are right there. Um, there isn't any way that you should be blaming this team. This team came out. This team played hard. 
They will be though. I, There's already yeah, I know, I know there will be. Fire Dubis, Fire Keith, get rid of the big three. There it is. Yeah, well, obviously, if you think that this team lost because this team isn't good enough, you need to give your head a shake. Not saying it's some big conspiracy or or like whatever. This team lost because of untimely penalties that shouldn't have been called that Tampa capitalized on. Toronto, Toronto was the better team. Scott, you're cutting out bad. Toronto should have won the series last game. Rest had a hand in Toronto, didn't. But if you're sitting there thinking that this team isn't good enough, like give your head a shake because that's not true. This is the best Leafs team we've had in, what, 30-plus years? You may have said that last year too, but I think this year's team is better than last year's team. Probably since 93, this is the best Leafs team we've ever had. And yeah, we lost in the first round, which sucks. Obviously, things didn't go our way in moments that they probably should have, but they didn't. But to sit there and say, like, you need to get rid of all your star players and rebuild is is just ridiculous because next year, if that happens, or two years from now, if that happens, they get rid of Matthews, they get rid of Martyr, they get rid of Nylander, and they do a big rebuild a la Detroit or Ottawa or whatever, half the Leafs fans are going to be embarrassed to say they're the Leafs fans again. They're going to be sitting there thinking, like, when are we going to be good enough to win a round? Not, when are we going to compete, be competing in a round? It just, it's, I don't know. I just don't get it when they do that. And then when that time comes, all these Leafs fans are, 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 are nowhere to be found because they're either too embarrassed to admit they're Leafs fans or they don't want to watch the game because the team sucks. Um, I, I couldn't have said it better myself, man. It's, uh, it's annoying to see. It's annoying to hear. It's also annoying to have all summer long people will be saying, here comes the least whining. But then there's people who who consistently um, criticize the Leafs. I, I can't name too many people off the top of my head right now. But there's people in hockey who criticize the Leafs who are American, who are Canadian, and they're just not fans. And they're even saying, like, this team didn't lose in the same fashion that they've lost before. This team lost for circumstances that you can't predict like obviously you can't predict the 3-1 meltdown but i mean after a, a couple minutes into the like if it's 3-2 yeah halfway through that what six game you can kind of tell okay sh- stuff going downhill but but this like toronto scores that john of our schools allowed they got all the momentum nick paul's not coming down scoring yeah exactly if, if that goal is allowed and then riley scores on that or if they get the second goal quickly after, it doesn't have to be Riley because that play would have been a different play because the whole situation of the game would have been different. But if Toronto goes up 2-1, yeah, like the, the Nick Paul doesn't get that chance to come in and score. And even then, like, yeah, it was a nice goal, but Brody just missed. He played the body instead of the puck, which he should have just worried, tried to worry about getting the puck to the corner instead of trying to take him off the puck because obviously that didn't work. But Also, yeah. worth noting, in a game seven against the – back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, the dynasty, blah, 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 blah. Toronto literally played a whole team game against Nick Paul, Chernak, Hedman, and Vasilevsky. 
Like take out Chernak and Hedman playing top line minutes against the top line on Toronto and, and second pairing minutes too against John Tavares' line. Vasilevsky was average the whole series. And then you've got Nick Paul who scored two goals. Which, I mean, the first one really shouldn't have been a goal. It was a fluke bounce, but then also uh, he taps that nine out of ten times with the end of his stick, and that's probably not going in the net. So, I mean, it's depressing. It's obviously upsetting. But the important thing, and we've been stressing this since we started the podcast, the important thing is don't go... Um. I don't even know how to say it in nice terms, but don't go nuts. Don't go savage. Don't go whatever. Insert whatever word you want in that in that phrase. But don't don't be that those people who tweet out hashtag this that the other. Don't go to Tim and Sid or Overdrive or whatever when they say this is a safe space. Safe space. Tell us how you're feeling and just argue and and bitch and complain and and tell people that they're wrong. Like let people vent the way that they want to vent, and that includes people who who are saying that trade Martin Matthews, whatever. But like, if someone's saying that Toronto lost the series because of officiating, or Toronto lost the series because you know the way the style matchups and playoffs, don't go around saying it's all Dubas's fault. Make your Twitter pages hashtag Fire Dubas with a clown face on Dubas because you look like an idiot. It's sad, but it makes the whole fan base look bad. And when you have other people from other fan bases coming out and saying, like, Leafs fans take a deep breath and relax, like, no major changes need to happen. Maybe a couple changes in the in the four group, maybe a few shuffling of the defenseman. Obviously, goalie is something that's going to be of question now because Jack Campbell, as of tomorrow, was technically no longer on the Trauma Police roster because he's a UFA. But, like, everyone just needs to sit back and relax. Like, I don't think Dubas is going anywhere. I don't imagine Sheldon Keefe's getting fired. I think the coaching staff's coming back. I mean, I could be wrong. Many people could be wrong, but like even Darren Drager, Elliot Freeman, all these people are saying, like, I don't anticipate big changes. No William D. Leonard getting traded. No Mitch Marner. Austin Matthews, you're a fool if you trade Austin Matthews. Marner, you're a fool if you think Austin or Marner's getting traded. William Nealon, you might be able to bring back his production. You're not bringing back those two product those two Marner and Matthews production. You're foolish. Some people are saying trade to John Navarre. John Navarre has come out party, I think, in the playoffs for the Leafs. I mean, I don't even think the worst part is the, the Leafs fans because that's expected. I think the worst part is now you're going to sit there and you're going to watch the post-game interviews and Tampa players and Tampa coach are going to come out and say, like, oh, yeah, the Leafs, they played a good series, but in the end we won over. And, uh, yeah, you just have to come back next year and do better while we yada, yada, yada. Or, oh, yeah, like they have some of the ropes there, but luckily we won yada, 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 game three, game five, whatever. Like, but in the back of their head, they know like we skate, we we barely skated by. Like if it wasn't for those calls that gave them those advantages, and they know it. Like it's just going to be annoying to sit there and watch all these players be like, "Yeah, like we were the better team. Luckily, we won." But they they push us to the edge. No, you weren't the better team. Like Toronto was the better team all series, but barring those two games that by game six didn't matter anymore. It's just, it's just going to be annoying to sit there and listen to John Cooper and, and Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman and, and all these other players come out to the media and say, like, yeah, Toronto is a good team. They're right on the cusp. They need they just need to take that step. They almost did it with us, yada, 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 yada. Like, it's just frustrating. 
Um, the other thing that's frustrating to me is, say tomorrow, well, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but say in, I don't know, August, by August, no, not, whenever, put in whatever timeline, but but Dubas and, and Keefe are gone, let's just say. It's not because they're bad at their jobs. The NHL is a is a performance business. It's it's you got to produce, but that doesn't mean you're bad at your job. Kyle Dubas is a very elite GM, I think. Sheldon Keefe is, I think, a top of the league, top ten coach in the league. That doesn't mean that they're bad because they're not producing in the manner that we expect them to. Um, and that's one thing that I've realized about this 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 fan base and this and the sport is like Baratros when he got fired, no one was ripping on that guy, besides Islanders fans, which are that's a story for another day. But like, Bear, if Baratros came to Toronto and he got fired, and the, and maybe they make it to the second round, and he got fired because they didn't make it to the third round, say it's not because he's bad at his job; it's because it's a results-driven business. So get that on your head that Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe are terrible at the jobs and this and that and the other. Game two of this playoff series that David Camp was a bad signing because I saw lots of people talking about it. I saw lots of people saying that it was the best sign that he ever made. And now they're saying he's an idiot or he doesn't know what he's doing and he gives out free money and he signs the you, big you guys to do. What part? I was just saying, uh, like after you said he brought I, a bump. I, I was just saying, like, like 15 seconds. I was just saying that, like, people are now ripping on Kyle Dubas's moves, his his free agent acquisitions, his trade deadline moves, this that the other get that he gave too much money to Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, yeah. Same stuff, but like that's not true. He did give money, but he gave that money because the expectation was the cap was supposed to be like $10 million more by now. Pandemic. That's it. The pandemic happened, caused the cap, escrow, player sh- or revenue sharing. Like, there's a lot of other things that most maybe casual hockey fans who only watch the leagues during the playoffs and then have everything to say about their team, just learning players' names during the playoffs, um, have to say what they don't actually know anything about just frustrating it's uh, i, I feel to bad touch on two pardon i just want to touch on two points you made there one is like lou lamorello and mike babcock they they didn't do any better like lamorello was the gm of what this team for the first two years and then dubas took over of this last seven year playoff drought or whatever and mike babcock took a, was the for what five years four and a half yeah, and they were still losing in the first round. Like, the the people Lamorella brought in compared to the people Dubas brought in, although I think the people Dubas brought in have been better, TJ Brody, Mark Giordano, Colin Blackwell, uh, uh, David Kampf, uh, Michael Bunting, I think they're better than the people Lou Lamorello, or, uh, yeah, Lou Lamorello brought in. But, like, the results were still the same. The team was still losing in the first round. So, like, People saying Lamorello sticking around, this team's going to win past the first round. I, I don't think they would have. And then Dubas giving everybody the big three, big, well, big four, but everybody kind of over exaggerates Nylander's contract. Uh, specifically, those three Tavares, Martin, Matthews, 11 million. 
Yeah, it may be bad contract at the time, or it may look to be a bad contract because it's eleven million. But like the last nine or ten superstars who have signed in the league have signed for nine plus. Like all the superstars in the league are now signing for money that's around what Marner, Tavares, and Matthews are making. So why aren't they getting ripped on for giving those players big contracts? Like Kirill Kaprizov was given a nine million dollar contract for one year in the league. I do agree with that. And in and, and today's day and age for hockey, it's, it's all about comparisons, too. So um, the next round of players, whether it be Shane Wright when he's due or Lafreniere when he's due or even Connor Bernard in two years or next year when he gets drafted and, and then three years from there, it's going to be even more. Even when Matthews is due, it's going to be even more. And it's all based on comparisons. One guy gets... $9 million, like Scott said, like Kaprizov, okay, who's the comparable for him? doesn't matter that the guy only has 40 points. It's just that people compare this person to to said player, and then guess what? Contracts are go up. But as Scott mentioned, no teams complain about that. Well, I mean, teams may complain about that. But people don't rip on the other teams as much. And I said this during the game tonight. It's Toronto's the only Canadian team in the league that every other Canadian team is is chanting or cheering against like i seen i saw numerous tweets today and obviously montreal ottawa are big toronto rivals but still like do you think being a canadian you think you would cheer for or i know a whole bunch of leafs fans that when the leafs are get beat out of the playoffs especially last year they got beat on by montreal but then those leafs fans are cheering montreal on because you were a canadian team and you had a chance to win the Stanley cup but i saw numerous montreal and ottawa fans tonight saying Oh, go Tampa! Hopefully, you beat the Leafs out because I hate the Leafs. Like, I, it, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, you may hate. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, you may hate the team because I know a whole bunch, majority of Leafs fans don't like Montreal or Ottawa, but there was a large portion of Toronto fan base last year who was cheering on Montreal when they made it past the first round, or Ottawa or whoever. When when Toronto wasn't making the playoffs, they were chanting or cheering other Canadian teams. Speaking about Canadian teams, never would have thought that Calgary would have potentially been the I mean, Edmonton could win tonight, but I never would have thought Calgary would have beaten, had a better chance to make it to the second round than Toronto. Not that they did have a better chance, but I mean, now they, they do. That that kicks me. And this is no offense to the Western Conference, but I feel like if Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Florida, or Carolina was in the West, Besides Colorado, I don't feel like there's a Western Conference team that could, that is as good as those guys. Yeah, Edmonton has McDavid and Drysaddle, and Calgary got hot, and and St. Louis, Minnesota, LA Kings, and and Dallas are all physical teams. But I, I don't think you could even add the Rangers to that. Besides Colorado in the West, I don't think there's a team that can compete with the top five, six teams in the East. Yeah, I agree. Um, not not least related, but I'm gonna bring it back to least related. So, um, and I'm not kicking on Boston. Um, some people that I know in uh, inside the rink are Boston fans, and they're super cool dudes and supporters of what we do here. But Boston had a missed opportunity not beating Carolina with Anti Ranta in it, and that brings me back to the Leafs. Is like. I don't think 
Toronto would have had that. Like I think Toronto would have been. Like Toronto would have probably whooped Carolina's behind. I think. Yeah, Carolina could be physical. But like Matthews, he's putting ten goals past him in a playoff series. I mean, we'll never know now because obviously I can I can say Toronto would have beat this team and this team, this team, whatever. I'm gonna end with this and then I'll pass it over to you. The worst thing about playoff hockey coming to an end for the Leafs is I just think about, fuck, now we got to go through October and November. And it's like, okay, that's oh, that can be okay, but that's a drag. And then Christmas time, and then it heats back up, but then March and April's a drag, and then playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just wish that all hockey had the intensity of playoffs, like every game. Obviously, it's not possible, but. I just wish it would make it make some of the bad times in the season, the slower times, a little bit better. Really, a kick in the groin is like you wait so long for it. You wait all year, and then it's over in fourteen days, and and yeah, that's uh, it's hard. Um, I think we're having a bit of technical issues again because. For it was like thirty one fifty eight. You cut out, and it was kind of like in and out every couple words. So I don't know if if that's just from me yeah, or if, if everybody's gonna hear it. That I was happening to you earlier too. Um, yeah. So we are, I guess, having some kind of internet issue here or technical issue. Um, I was just saying, like, it's it's sad to think about. Now you gotta wait. Yeah, the drag of the mid-season and that. But then it was after that you cut out. Nah, I just said, like, it just sucks. Like, you wait. You wait a whole year for playoff hockey, and then it comes around, and it's 14 days, and it's over. Yeah. And it's not, that's not for everyone, obviously. There's teams that obviously go two months or one, one and a quarter or whatever, one and a half. But, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely gets you down thinking about it, in my opinion. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and also, uh, Spezza. Seeing that guy cry at the end of the game. Sucks. Yeah, I, I didn't... Once they lost, I left. I was just too mad. <laughs> but just to touch on your two points there. Um, the Leafs, the Boston, I think... To me, personally, I think Toronto... Uh, besides maybe Colorado, was the best team in the first round. And obviously we lost. But just those couple circumstances, those those things nobody can control, that the ref calls, penalties, capitalization, whatever, uh, that made the, the cost them the series. But like play-wise, I, Toronto, I think, has been the second-best team in, in the whole West, East or West. And then obviously the top being Colorado. And then the, 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 I don't mind the, like, obviously, I hear a lot of people saying how they think the season is too long and needs to be cut down. But I'll gladly take a 82-game series where Toronto finishes top five in the league as opposed to an 82-game series where Toronto is so bad that they they aren't even close to making the playoffs, like, before this stretch of first-round first losses. Yeah, I agree with that. I just mean, like, playoff hockey's now that we experience playoff hockey on basically a regular, even if it is 14 days or less, 
just uh gets you so excited i think like such a seems like such a great time and i just kind of sucks that there's longer drags throughout the season but also in the same time there there's not because there's there's passover through games right like the winnipeg series that we've had the last two years where it's been like rough and yeah so on and so forth but all right, we'll be right back. Hopefully, after the ad break, we'll have this technical issue dealt with. I don't exactly know how to do it, but we'll we'll work towards trying to fix it over the ad break. We'll be right back. Enjoy. And now, a quick word from our show sponsors and friends of Inside the Rink. BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lineups for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with a proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com Um, we're... We assume it's uh, it's obviously the internet. Me and Scott do live in the same house, so it um, we do it in separate areas of the house, though. So uh, it could just be the internet being overused, or maybe the internet's just uh, as pissed off as all the Leafs fans. So it's like, f you guys. Um, now that the Leafs are out, I mean, not really that much cool betting because. Who doesn't like the bet on the leaves? But um, yeah, use the promo code bet. Um, there is some. Well, you can still like, you can still bet on Tampa losing. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. There is a big playoff series between Tampa and Florida that can be a good one. Um, but yeah, so use the promo code bet. Make some money. Send your uh, send your parents some love. Bring out someone you love. Bring out your friends, whomever. Enjoy it and. Uh, play safe we will be doing a playoff um not a playoff review uh a season review based on all things that have happened this year Mar- matthews 60 goals marner 97 points this that the other um we'll be talking about ufa's rfa's trades that we think signings and, and it might not be all done in one episode maybe we'll break it down throughout the the time that we have off. Uh, but we'll also be reviewing the playoffs a little bit more in depth when things don't seem so cloudy and people aren't as pissy, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do want to f- thank everyone who listened throughout the playoffs with us. Obviously, we're new or newer now. We're 13 episodes in, and I'll tell you. When we first did the first recording of the first episode, I must have laughed for 45 minutes just because I was so nervous. Yeah. And now we're just chilling, having a regular conversation. Like, there are so many. Every time Kyle talked or Scott talked, trying to tell me what to say to introduce the podcast. It's funny because I practiced it on my drive home from work. Like, I was practicing it on my work van. 
think about what I was going to say, and then as soon as we, as soon as we got on record, I was killing myself laughing for so long. So thank you for for being with us, supporting us. I know it's been a couple down uh, downers on the, the downloads and and the views on the articles and views on the pod and subscribers. But we thank you. And uh, yeah, we. I don't know where else to go from here, but just stay positive and and enjoy some time off. I know we will. We'll probably be back with, I'd imagine, closer to the end of the week. I mean, obviously, Kyle's not here so with us, so I mean, Scott will. Well, what do you think, Scott? Like throughout this week, sometime we'll yeah. definitely be doing yeah. a. I'm good with the end of the week, like maybe Thursday, Friday, one of those two days, if you want. I mean, we'll have to check with Kyle. Yeah, we'll I wonder if he's busy those days. Maybe Thursday works better because Friday's a yeah, bit we'll... of a weird night because people make plans for the weekend. Yeah, and it is um, May 2-4 weekend this weekend. So, so yeah, Thursday, there, regardless, everybody, we'll have to check with Kyle. We'll be with you, and we want Kyle to be here for it because it is a another bigger uh, episode that we hope that you guys enjoy. We'll be talking all what we talked about for the last half an hour. The good thing about the last half an hour is when people listen to this podcast, they'll think about what to do next season. And maybe tomorrow you won't feel so down in the dumps and kind of kicked in the stomach uh, about what happened tonight. But yeah, uh, let's just uh, close this thing off. You go with that. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm good. All right, well, obviously, subscribe, download, like, comment, view. I, I, I apologize from the from the bottom of my heart about not posting the the, the latest um, link to the podcast on Twitter. I know that that generates some buzz because we we get a little bit of an influx when we do that, and I, and I apologize for that. It's just been a busy couple of days. Uh, look for articles because there will be an article I believe coming out tomorrow. Just kind of breaking down uh, my thoughts on the on the postseason and and kind of what we talked about on on the pod here. Uh, social media is at least talk forever on Instagram and least forever pod. There is merch. Buy when you need. Buy what buy what you can and buy whenever you can really because obviously that helps us do giveaways and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, just again, thank you for being with us. Uh, thank you to Trauma Police for kicking ass and taking names this whole season and then giving up their names in Game 7. Uh, <laughs> thank you, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you. Go, let's go.